Well, welcome to Liberty Christian Fellowship. It's my privilege and joy to get to welcome you to our Christmas Eve services, and uh, we're really excited about the opportunity to spend time worshiping alongside you tonight. Uh, We're excited about the chance to spend these last kind of few minutes here of Christmas Eve joyfully anticipating the birth of Jesus, because that's what Christmas Eve is all about is that we come together after a period called Advent, which is like a 30-day sort of window of preparing our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And tonight is our last time together to do that. And so we're going to jump into that here in just a moment. But right at the start, will you just pray with me over our time together tonight? God, thanks for this evening. Thanks for a chance to come together and to worship you. Thanks for an opportunity to spend time quieting our hearts and stilling our minds and just focusing on Jesus for a little while. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill this place. Lord, that you would direct our hearts toward Christ and his birth, that you would direct our hearts toward Christ and his life and his death on the cross. God, would you move us into a place of joyfully responding, joyfully worshiping, joyfully submitting to the birth of a Savior, to the life of a Savior, to the death of a Savior. God, would you come here tonight and do that? Lord, I pray that all that we do would glorify you. God, I pray that all that we do tonight would prepare us to celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever tried to uh, jump into a television series kind of midstream? Like it's already going. Maybe it's been going for a couple of seasons and then you try to pick it up in the middle because you've heard people talk about it. Uh, I tried to do that with the show Lost. Uh, I don't know how far into the series run that the show was, but I tried to pick it up in the middle and so... I can vividly remember tuning into one episode, and in the episode I happened to tune into, uh, there was a polar bear on the tropical island with the people from the plane wreck or whatever the show was all about. And I remember being so confused about how it was even conceivable that a polar bear would be on a tropical island that I said to myself, I will never watch this show again. I made it 15 minutes into one episode. And I've had people tell me since, oh, there's a totally logical explanation for why there was a polar bear on the island. And I look at them and I say, there's never an explanation for a polar bear on a tropical island. And so I refuse to ever watch the show again. When you, when you pick something up midstream, uh, sometimes some of the details can get a little fuzzy or a full understanding of what's going on can be a little bit challenging. And so what we want to do tonight at the beginning of our service is actually help catch people up to speed who maybe haven't been here over the last month because we've been spending some time as a church preparing our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we've been doing that by looking at uh, some of the various people surrounding the birth of Jesus in the Gospels. You see, Christmas is the story of how far God was willing to go in his pursuit of humanity. He was willing to go so far that he sent his son here for us. 
But there are some people in the midst of that story who kind of swirl around the birth of Jesus. And we've been looking at who are those people and what do we see about God's pursuit of humanity through them. And so what we want to do here at the beginning of our service is kind of have like a back and forth conversation with some of the passages we've looked at over the last few weeks and highlight what it is that we learn about God and his pursuit of humanity through those various passages. And so we're actually going to start with uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 21, I believe, or 20. And Kurt uh, is going to read those and then I'll offer just a few quick comments. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known this the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So a few weeks ago when we talked about this particular passage of Scripture, what we pointed out was that there's a very key phrase that the angels communicate to these shepherds. See, shepherds are out in this field near Bethlehem, and an angel appears to them, and they're filled with fear. That's what the passage says. But an angel tells them, Fear not, for I bring good news that will be great joy for all the people. The first thing we talked about, maybe the most important thing you're going to hear tonight, is that God's divine pursuit of relationship with humanity is for all people. No one is disqualified. There's no one in this room who is outside the bounds of what Jesus came to do with his life and with his death. There's no one on earth who's outside the boundaries of that. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what your life has been up to this point. The good news that will be great joy 
is for all people. God's divine pursuit is for all people. But it does require a response from us. You see, Jesus came, born in a manger, and that was good news for everyone. But our responses need to look a little bit like the responses of the shepherds. The first thing that the shepherds do is they say, let us go and see this thing that the angels have told us. And so they go over to see where Jesus is laying in the manger. If you're here tonight and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the most important thing you could do with the next season of your life is go and see Jesus. Is he who he says he is? Is his life what's described in Scripture? Is he the Savior? Has he come and lived the life that Scripture tells us that he lived, died the death that Scripture tells us that he died and resurrected so that if you place your faith in him, your sins might be forgiven? Because if that did happen, then that's the most important news you'll ever hear in your entire life. Go and see. But if you've already placed your faith in Jesus, you've already gone and seen him, then there's something else that the shepherds do that's a response that we should have as well, and that's that they go and tell. As Christians, it's our mission in life to share the good news that will be great joy for all people. And we should take that very seriously. And then at the end of that passage, the shepherds do one more thing, which is they just return to Jesus. That's been our prayer for uh, this season for our congregation, is that our church would return and just spend time in the presence of Jesus. That's what we want to do tonight. It's what we hope you'll do tomorrow morning before you just take off into tearing into presents and doing all the things that come with Christmas. Take time to just sit in the presence of Jesus. His birth is good news that will be great joy for all people. God's divine pursuit is for all. The next passage that we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 2. It's verses 1 through 12. T.A. is going to read that. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. For when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. T.A. actually walked us through this passage just last week. And what he pointed out is that God's divine pursuit invokes worship. That's the primary thing we see from the Magi or the wise men, that they saw a star, 
rise. And they traveled this great distance to come and see the one who has been born king of the Jews. And when they got there, they just fall down in front of him. And they lay down these gifts. They just want to worship the Savior. That's the response that God's divine pursuit should elicit from us. It should invoke worship. It should lead us to worship. And that worship looks a particular way. It's personal. No one can go for you. No one can place faith in Jesus Christ for you. No one's faith can save you. It's sacrificial. It cost them something. The gifts that they brought were incredibly expensive, and then they just laid those at the bed of Jesus. When we come to Christ, it will cost us something. More often than not, it will cost us maybe some sense of identity that we had wrapped up in something else. But that's the greatest cost we could ever give away because what we receive in return is so much greater. And their response is immediate. Their worship is immediate. When that star rose, they left to go and see Jesus. Oftentimes, I think people go through life thinking, I'll figure out God later. Maybe when I graduate college, or after I get married, or after I have kids, or after the kids graduate, we can push that off and push it off and push it off until there's no more time. The reality is that God's divine pursuit of relationship with humanity ought to spark an immediate response out of us, an immediate response that's personal and sacrificial. There's one other piece of this story that we looked through, and that's the next few verses in Matthew chapter 2 begins in verse 13 and goes down to verse 21. It's all about King Herod, and Jim is going to read that. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. King Herod finds out that these wise men have come to worship the one who has been born king of the Jews. And that's incredibly threatening to King Herod. He views himself as the king of the Jews. And so he does what is natural to us when our kingdom feels threatened, which is tries to protect it at all costs. And so he gives this decree that any child under the age of two is to be killed because he thinks that will take care of whoever has been born king of the Jews. But what we find out in this story is that God's divine pursuit cannot be stopped. 
There's nothing that anyone could do to stop what God was trying to do through the birth of Jesus. The evil of one individual couldn't stop it. The evil of the sinfulness of humanity today can't stop his will from advancing. His divine pursuit cannot be stopped. And that is worth worshiping. And so before we move on into the next uh, portion of our time looking at the story of Jesus' birth, we want to just pause and worship a little bit. Worship the Lord that His divine pursuit of humanity is for all people, that no one is excluded. Spend some time worshiping that it can't be stopped. And spend some time worshiping because that's the response it should elicit out of us. And so if you would stand, our worship team's going to lead us in a few songs. <laughs>